welcome to Game Dev Hideout. My name is Daniel, and I'm really excited to introduce you to our newest show from 6.5 Media. You may be familiar with myself and my co-host Chris from the Turn by Turn podcast. In the second season of Turn by Turn, we started interviewing indie game devs about their turn-based RPGs that they were making. It turned out to be lots of fun, and we met lots of cool people, so we decided that we wanted to continue. However, halfway through the season, it started to feel like two different shows. So we decided to make them two different shows. Now, rather than just talking with turn-based devs, we will be talking to devs of all sorts. However, if you come for the zany turn-based action, you won't be disappointed. Some of our interviews will be just me or just Chris. And then when the stars align, we'll both get to be on an episode together. We really hope you enjoy the new show and we're really excited to get started. This week, I will be talking with Dave, the indie creator of Tilefinder. Tilefinder is a roguelike tactics RPG. I was actually able to play the demo for this one, and I really enjoyed it. You'll definitely want to take a look at this one if you're a fan of tactics games. Then, after the break, I'll be speaking with Eric, the creator of Luminera The Radiant Journey. Luminera is a JRPG that takes elements from Avatar The Last Airbender and D&D. What stuck out about his game is that he has 24 playable characters that all have meaningful interactions. If you're a gamer that really enjoys unique, exciting characters, this game will be right up your alley. We hope you enjoy these interviews, and we have a lot of exciting stuff planned for this season. All right, today we are joined with Dave, the creator of Tile Finder. How are you doing today? Hello, Daniel. I'm doing great. Uh, there's a lot of work to do. Um, I also work on weekends or so Saturday and Sunday. Um, I'm at hard at work. I also have a lot of other stuff planned for today. So, oh, yeah, really? I'm, yeah, yeah. Well, not necessarily for the, the game, but uh, just other stuff that I have to do. Gotcha. So is this your the first game you've made? Uh, this is my first commercial game, like the first one that I want to sell. Um, I've made lots of small games prototypes before. I've participated in game jams, but this is my first commercial project. Very cool. So what is Tilefinder? Tilefinder is a roguelike RPG on a grid. So basically, it's very similar to games like uh, Wildermyth or XCOM, um, Into the Breach. Actually, Into the Breach was, um, was one of the main inspirations for the game. Um, so essentially, um, the game takes place on a tile map. Um, it's uh, five by seven tiles. Uh, you can move, attack, defeat enemies, and every run has three different zones. So it's a roguelike. If you die, you die. You have to start from the beginning of the run. But every time you play, every boss you beat unlocks extra encounters, extra items. And there's even though there are only three zones, three mandatory zones, there are 11 bosses in total, each with a unique design and at least like two to three faces. It's uh, a game about a lot of moving, pay, paying attention to the boards, reacting to what your enemies are going to do, and just being very, very careful with how you approach combat. Yeah, so having played the demo, um, what kind of impressed me about it is that you you add in some like things to hide behind, and you it feels a lot like chess in some ways. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah, well, in the same manner that Into the Breach uh, feels like chess, it's... Uh, it's chessy, yeah. 
like it's a lot of fun to have to figure out like should I like stay behind this rock while that archer's standing there like mm-hmm. like what is my next move like can I handle a couple of hits if I do go to this one spot yeah exactly exactly so like you did a really good job adding in like tactical thought to it because I know that there were Thank a couple you. turns where I just sort of sat there being like I don't I don't know should I go left or right <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and the good part is I'm making even it's even more tactical. So I make daily updates to it. Well, almost daily, like every one to three days or so. Uh, I update it. And I always take in feedback. I have a feedback button directly into the game menu. And I've already received quite a lot of feedback. So I'm still adapting to that feedback, trying to make everything even more understandable, like enemy patterns. I want to make them more understandable, easier to understand and... Um, improve the overall player experience and the the sense of tactic in the game. It's also one thing and that I, I keep improving on. Mm-hmm. So are you completely designing this on your own or do you have some people that you're yeah. working with? Uh, this is a solo project. All of it's mostly. Uh, it's like 95% uh, I've made everything, like even the, the, uh, the artwork, the... Um, the programming, the marketing, uh, all goes to me. Um, there have been some a few things that I did not make. For example, uh, the Steam cover art with the the hero raising a sword over the hill. I did mm-hmm. not make that. I had uh, yeah, I had that commission from an artist. Um, also, the UI. I did not make my UI. I also had an artist do it. Uh, and uh, what else? There was something else I'm missing that I did not. Oh yeah, the icons. Um, I just took them from like assets found on the internet and music. I didn't, make, <laughs> I didn't make the music. <laughs> uh, so actually, yeah, now that I think about it, mm, yeah, maybe it's not like 90%. Let's say like it's 80% made by me. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's, it's an impressive feat to be involved, like have your foot in so many parts of the project by yourself. Thanks. Uh, it's impressive, but you know, in retrospective, maybe I would have done it differently. Like for sure, I would have done it differently. Like um, I had a talk. There's something that I really learned from this game is what you know, that investment translates to, um, like um, re- return on what, what do you call it? Like when you invest money into something, um, you get back money. So for example, if I did not have my artwork, the Steam artwork, I'm pretty sure the game would not be as um, as as cool as it is now is I would not have as many wish lists or as many beta players. Um, so I should honestly have done the same with other aspects of the game, like uh, hired someone to do something. For example, marketing is is a lot harder than I thought it would be. There's, it takes a lot of time to to reach everyone to to get the game out there. So um, yeah, it's definitely something I learned. Uh, money in equals money out. <laughs> Yeah, it really does feel like that sometimes because you, you just never know who's going to see it. And then yeah. if if someone sees it with 10 followers, that's one thing. But if someone sees it with 2 million, that's a way different thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, a matter of who you can actually reach in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is there like a central story for Tile Finder? Uh, the idea is, um, so the game is called Tile Finder, right? Which means uh, something related to finding a tile. The main story is that the king was in the castle and he found a loose floor in the castle, a loose tile in the castle floor. And what happened is he took it out and from under the tile came monsters, um, eldritch corruption, demon stuff. 
and the tile was broken into four pieces. Uh, so now the player, the goal of the player is to find all of those tile pieces and assemble the tile and put the tile back into the castle floor. And there's all sorts of the, so, uh, <laughs> there's all sorts of stuff in the game that um, advance your lore. So there's some optional quest lines. Uh, there's two optional quest lines for now, uh, which lead you to two different new zones, completely optional with two optional bosses that also progress your story. So for example, you might find out, find out who the, the mother of the main character, the, the main villain of the game is, or what happened to the blacksmith's uh, wife, who you, you don't see in the game, but she's there somewhere. Uh, and soon I'll be adding lore for the uh, the pumpkin guy that made the first boss. Uh, he's also got lore, I just haven't gotten to, um, to put it in the game yet. So yeah, there's it's a storyful game. It's it's not uh, that serious of a game story. Um, it gives I, I want to give a sort of the Borderlands vibe. If uh, you've played the, the Borderlands two or three games, they have like a, a serious story, but the characters are comical. So that's what I'm aiming for. Both seriousness, as in you know the world is about to end, kind of seriousness, but with comical dialogue and comical uh, situations and names uh, descriptions that kind of stuff yeah it seems like it has that like high fantasy vibe to it where like you have like mm -hmm. monsters like coming out from the the bottom of the castle yeah and our hero has to kind of fight them and get like put them back into their like seal them away again yes so i think that's really cool mm -hmm. and so who's like your main like player character the main player character is uh, well it isn't just one main player character this three characters there's the knight the mage and the ranger um the main character we could say is the knight because he's the first character you play as uh, you have <laughs> to unlock the other two characters uh theoretically uh it could be any of the characters could say the same thing like they all say the basically the same thing when talking to the king or when talking to, to an encounter um, but the, the main character, the knight, uh, is the one who was framed for murdering some guards. As in the intro, if you've seen um, the intro to the game, that the idea is there's this this girl who uh, was caught by two guards, and the guards were like, "Burn the witch," but the witch was like, "Nah," and she killed them and she teleported away. So you, as a player, come there and are like, "Hey, what's going on?" And two other guards come and see you next to sitting next to two corpses. And they're like, hey, you killed those guys. And I'm like, no, I did not kill those guys. So uh, <laughs> that's why the main character, the, the knight, is, is fighting guards and peasants and everyone's after you. But mm -hmm. the other characters are, are still helping. Like, it's assumed that they're all friends. They know each other. Gotcha. So I, the part of the demo that I played was with the knight. And I didn't, didn't get to the other two as far as I've gotten so far. But um, do you have... Do they become like additional characters? You'll have like more characters on your tiles or is it like you're one character at a time? No, you also get one. Uh, you have two heroes every run. So you start every run with one hero and after a few encounters, you unlock your second hero. Um, and you can also get some other extra units of your own. So like the ranger has a spell which um, at, like every it's a passive ability that just gives you a fox every combat. So you'll have that fox. Um, you might also get other um, other um, other companions. 
um, there's a god, but I'm, <laughs> I can't remember how you actually get the god as a companion. There's at some point there's an Eldritch Effigy event. And if you do the right thing in the Eldritch Effigy event, you're going to get a sort of like an, um, like an effigy uh, unit on your side that you can control every battle. So you can, if you try, you can kind of fill your board with extra minions and units. So um, what made you want to do like a commercial game? The, 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 I just I wanted to, to be legit. Like I wanted to feel like a legitimate game developer. And it's something I wanted to prove to myself that I can do. Because I've been making prototypes and small games and so for, for, for years I've been participating in the game jams. And I never actually made a game that could sell. So uh, I really, really wanted to do it. And I've been working on this on and off for like at least four years. But uh, last year in like September, uh, I quit my day job and I said, okay, I'm going to do this full time. Uh, I do not expect to make my living off of it, but, you know, I have the time. I'm, I'm pretty young. Uh, I don't consume a lot of money. Uh, and I think it was worth it. Um, yeah. Did I answer your question? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, with, with that being said, so what, what sort of games inspired you to want to make this one? So one of the games that uh, inspired me a lot was Heroes of Might and Magic, mostly three and five, because those are the games that I've played. Uh, that I have like the most. I've played all of them, like up until like Hero Seven, I believe. I think it is now six. I don't remember which one, but uh, I like the most three and five. I like the most. And I remember when I was young, I used to play Heroes Three a lot, and I was so mesmerized by that game. Uh, and I was constantly looking for other similar games, but I could not find anything that suits my needs perfectly you know uh, mm-hmm. i played um i played pokemon and that's also an inspiration so i, I knew i kind of wanted to make something like that uh, i've always liked turn-based rpgs i don't know why it's just the way i am wired play darkest dungeon uh, into the breach and just the, the more i played these turn-based games the more i really wanted really wanted to make my own with my own spin because i could never find one that was like exactly how i wanted um, like uh, Into the Breach was not RPG enough, um, and Heroes of Might and Magic was also not RPG enough. You have huge armies, and Darkest Dungeon was not on a grid. And eventually, I ended up making the exactly the game that I want. But it's it's a lot harder than it seems, you know. Like you have an idea and you know exactly what you want, but then you make it and you realize it's actually a lot harder to do. And maybe it doesn't work exactly like you've been imagining. That's kind of what I've been doing. I've been making my dream game and it's uh it's difficult (laughs) no it seems like it's going really well um i really enjoyed the demo like i was saying um what are you building it in i'm using a game engine that no one knows it's uh it's called stencil it's Mm -hmm. supposedly a game engine that doesn't use uh, like you can code it's a it's a like visual what do you call it like visual scripting, like you don't actually type code, you just drag and drop, drag and drop blocks. But I actually do program in it because if you want, you can use the programming language hacks, which also nobody uses because it's super underrated, but it's a great language, it's my favorite language. Um, so yeah, I'm using Stencil with the hacks programming language, and honestly, it's probably the largest game that's ever been made in the Stencil engine. No kidding, wow. Yeah, I have like what 
how many hundred thousands over a hundred thousand line of lines of code i believe wow that's unbelievable. oh yeah definitely yeah definitely <laughs> at least hundred thousand so do you like is your favorite part of it the coding side or do you like the story side I like all of it, honestly. I don't think there's one that I like more than the others. I do like programming, um, especially at the start. I really loved uh, programming the game because uh, by profession, I'm a programmer. I graduated computer science university. But you know, now that's uh, the more I'm approaching the launch and the more things that I do, it's becoming quite boring because I'm not doing new stuff. It's mostly bug fixing fixing, you know, glitches, polishing, that sort of stuff, and using the systems that I already make to try to make new systems, it gets awkward and, like, boring the programming part. So right now, I'm enjoying, uh, I'm enjoying, um, what am I enjoying? Let me think. I don't know. I'm, I'm still enjoying all of them the same. But, by, yeah, I definitely enjoyed programming the most, I'd say, in the beginning, and in total. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's probably pretty hard to... Kind of suss out where bugs are because you just have you never know how someone's gonna play it so you never know oh yeah if they're gonna like find some random thing and yeah so and there's also there's also things that um i i don't i just never notice because like i've played my game tens of times dozens of times and i just get used to certain things like i said let's say there's a certain glitch in the game that i've just played it so many times that i'm just used to that i don't see it anymore and I just need someone to say, hey, there's that thing. And I'm like, oh, yes. Yes, that's been there for like six months and I didn't see it. Yeah. That happens a lot, actually, a lot more frequently than I like to admit. <laughs> so you you said you update it every other day? Wow. That well, at least I try, I, I try to. That's a, that's a lot of work. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've never worked so hard on anything, honestly, because I... Yeah, like I'm putting in a lot of work. So what have been some some of the harder parts of it? Has it been finding like people to work with or like fixing maybe like tricky bugs that have popped up or the art or what's difficult? Honestly, for me, the hardest part was time management. Um, is, um, I'm a pretty pretty uh, disorganized person. I used to be a really disorganized person. Uh, so when I quit my job, I really, I had a really hard time maintaining a schedule and like, you know, waking up at an hour, going to sleep at another, working, not mixing work with fun. But I mean, working is fun for me. So, cause I really like development, but fun as in like, I don't know, going out with friends, playing video games. So honestly, that was probably the hardest thing for me but I've gotten a lot better at organizing myself. I learned to take notes really, really well. I got really, really good at taking notes and organizing everything, making plans, making step-by-step like -step, um, to-do lists, checklists, uh, incorporated those into my life. And now that, that's who I am. I, I can now call myself a really organized person. I went from one extreme to the other. <laughs> another, another hard thing was... Um, was early on the programming part but i wouldn't say it was hard i would say it was more like challenging because it was like the difficult like i always knew i could do it because i like i had the skills but it was um it's like a puzzle you know you, you it takes time you have to think about it but i knew eventually i'd get it going so yeah that's 
that was what was hard and i mean honestly everything was hard it's like everything marketing finding people um the art making artwork it was it was all more more difficult than i would have could have imagined before but uh yeah it gets it gets better mm-hmm. good so what are your sort of like hopes for it are you hoping to like release on stream steam or itch or yeah i'll be releasing on steam on the 13th of July. And I'm hoping for, if I get 100 downloads without refunds, I'll be happy. I'm not aiming for some super high ass um, number of players. I just really wanna make the best game that I could make, honestly. And I, I, I do care a bit about money because the money that I'm gonna make from this game, I wanna at least get my money invested back so like I invested, I had to invest some money into artwork, into the uh, Steam, uh, what do you call it, the Steam tax and the engine tax and other little small um, things that I had to pay for. So if I get that money back, uh, I would be super happy, mm-hmm. which isn't that much, like a few hundred dollars. So what's the best way to like support the game? Would it be like playing the demo, buying it when it's officially released? Like what's the... The best, uh, um, the best way to support the game is definitely giving feedback, especially if you are a player of turn-based games, tactics games, uh, RPGs, even Dungeons and Dragons. If you play D and D, this is definitely uh, a game that I, I guess you're part of my audience. But the things that help me most are feedback, and uh, yeah, I guess downloading the game, wishlisting the game. Uh, the more people, the better. And honestly, you just feel free to, if there's anyone who wants to hit me up, talk to me about it. I'm always there. Like you can find me on Discord, Twitter, anytime. Very cool. So has this experience of making this game made you want to do another one when this one is finished? Is it too early to even think about that? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm going to make another one. Yeah. I actually have a team for my next game. So my best friend, my best friend's boyfriend has a friend who uh, also is into game development. So we met. We didn't meet in real life, but we met online and we talked a lot and we became decent, quite, quite good friends. So now the next game uh, we're going to make together. He's also a programmer and he found someone who's an artist and he convinced him to um, get us all working on a project. And he knows also someone who can do music and sound effects. So we're a team of four that uh, are going to start on a new project after I'm done with this one. And I have so many things that I want to do. Like I have lots of lots of projects that I want to make. I'm excited all for all of them. Will they all be in the same like tile format, or are you gonna go like the more traditional like JRPG sort of route, or what you thinking? No, I don't think I'm gonna make another turn-based game uh, anytime soon. Um, unless, of course, I don't know, maybe Tilefinder becomes a, a huge success, like a huge streamer plays it, and people are asking for more or something. No. We're not sure what we're going to do on our next game, but we have a lot of ideas and we'll talk about it to find one that's uh, all of us like, and we'll make that one. As for me, if I ever make another game personally, I'm still probably not going to make another uh, game uh, like, like Tilefinder for a while. I have like an idea about a hacking simulator game and uh, survival, and I have a lot of ideas, but I prefer not to jinx them now. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I always, I think it, for, for devs, it's more about the journey than sometimes like the final game. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The journey is a lot more important. Like you were saying, like sometimes like it is like a money thing to like get a game made. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes it's like the promise of what could be more so than what, whatever the final result was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause like, yeah, might have like a really great game and you just don't have the money to actually make it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's it's certainly possible that's uh as with any business you have to invest money to get money back uh i I mean it depends unless you're an exceptionally good artist and an exceptionally good programmer at the same time you can make something like stardew valley uh that was a one hit wonder like one made by one person so Mm -hmm. i guess it, it is possible but it's really hard it's harder than i could ever imagine yeah you're really putting in a lot of lot of work at that point what, are, what like is Twitter the best way for people to find you? Uh, yes, Twitter and Discord. Um, if you wanna, you can. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm active on Twitter. I post quite frequently. Um, also on Discord, I'm always available. As I work from home, I don't go to an office, so I have Discord always open. If you ever um, someone ever wants to direct DM me, feel free. Uh, my Discord is. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in the game as well. You can just click on the Discord button, join the um, the Discord group, and I'm there. Great. And what's your like Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at Dave Doubly uh, in one word, like Dave D O U B R B B L, like double E. It's literally Dave Double E in. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any final pitches, comments, concerns, questions, otherwise? <laughs> well, I, I got to thank you for having me on this, uh, on this interview. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. And honestly, you know, I don't have anything else to, uh, to add to this. If you like the game, feel free to download the demo. Or you can just wishlist. Or honestly, if um, I'm, you can just message me if you're from like, I don't know, Tajikistan, and you can't afford the game. Just let me know. Maybe I'll give you a Steam key for free. I will. I'm planning on making more giveaways of Steam keys, just to get people going, uh, to get it in the hands of people, to uh, you know, get feedback, and just let people have fun. You know, that's this is the core point of life. <laughs> have fun. Enjoy playing the games. We only get one shot. Definitely. And I will um, echo, since I have played the demo for this one, it is a lot of fun. And like deciding Thank which you. tile to go to, like, I think you're onto something here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. So I'm excited to, to play it and get it once it's finally out. And um, maybe when it's finally released, we'll be able to get you back for some like a follow-up episode or something. <laughs> sure, sure. Feel free to contact me anytime, anytime. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm, thank you. And until next time. Bye. See ya.
Hey there, podcast listeners. I am David. And I'm Kate. And together we host a podcast that you might be interested in if you like The Legend of Zelda. There are lots of awesome podcasts out there and a lot of awesome Zelda podcasts (laughs) out there. That's right, Kate. And we are another one of them. In fact, that is the name of our show, Another Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We do a couple top ten lists here and there. We have some deep dive episodes and we even pepper in a couple quiz episodes. We talk about our own experiences, we do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. If it has to do with The Legend of Zelda, we talk about it. You can check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a lot of the other podcast services that are out there. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! Has this ever happened to you? Ah, this video game is bullshit! Are you tired of gaping plot holes and boring gameplay mechanics? Look, all I'm saying is that if a full-fledged Krogan is falling off a platform, there's no way Commander Shepard has the upper arm strength to pull him up! Has reading become just too tedious of a chore? Ugh, books. Are you bored of your same three murder podcasts? Shocking, it's the butler. Allow me to introduce you to the brand new fan fiction podcast, with an X, hosted by our lovely basement dwelling and real-life Muppet, Dan McCoy. Well, that's hurtful. And myself, of course, the blonde bombshell, with the blood of Odin and the great looks of Jake Busey from Starship Troopers. That's accurate. And with our powers combined... No. Oh, you never let me do what I want to do. I said no, man. We're not doing that. Ah, fine. Anyway, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your fix from. Remember, fan fiction with an X. Hello, today I am joined with Eric, the creator of Luminera, The Radiant Journey. Um, How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Good. That's what we like to hear. So... Tell us a little about yourself. My name is Eric. Uh, I've been in the RPG Maker community since I was in high school. Back, you know, when I was 15, I'm 34 now. So almost 20 years of messing around with RPG Maker and learning all that there is to learn about it. And I've had a lot of random little projects that I've started over the years, little things that you know, I, I was either making for fun or I wanted to do as a serious project, but I never fully followed up on. And this is my first true official wanting to be professional project that, you know, I'll be releasing. If the page is already up on Steam and I should hopefully have the game out by late next year. Uh, it's a turn-based RPG, obviously, with being made an RPG maker. So... This will be your first like big project that you've done. It's just been like smaller, yeah. like RPG maker projects on the side. Right. So you must be super familiar with all the, the bells and whistles of that then. Absolutely. Since RPG Maker 2000. Since cool. the, the illegal pirated version of 2000 <laughs> that awesome. you could buy before. Uh, Luminera, The Radiant Journey. Like, what is sort of like the, the elevator pitch? What is this game about? So, Luminara, The Radiant Journey, 
is a turn-based semi-open world RPG inspired by Dungeons and Dragons and Avatar The Last Airbender. You, one of 24 playable characters, will create your party based on your likes or how you would like to balance a team. Or if you're kind of newer to RPGs, you could select a more concentrated uh, playthrough with characters that have been pre-picked uh, pre for you and pre-balanced. And regardless of your choice, the aim of the game is to make every, every, every playthrough unique to the player. So the choices that you make along with the characters that you choose will make this game feel fundamentally different to each game that plays it. And there's, there's 24 characters, you said? Yes. Okay, so there's like almost like infinite replayability to this. <laughs> Very cool. So is it like how long would like a playthrough be? Uh, I'm aiming for 10 to 12 hours, uh, just a regular playthrough of the game with maybe 20 hours if you're going for, you know, if you just want to go for like a full completion kind of thing. And I want, and New Game Plus will be a fairly important feature where, you know, making a new playthrough won't just be, it, it, it could be uh, starting from fresh if you want it to be, or you can carry over uh, weapons and items that, you know, that you did in your first playthrough with different characters if, if that's what you want. Just so players don't feel like they're, completely thrown away everything that they worked for in one playthrough on this certain level. And more characters is always better. And from a look from the look of a lot of the character designs, it looks like there's a lot of characters I'd want to try out. That's good to hear. Like looking at the the Steam page, there's like a guy with like a flaming sword, yeah. like a ninja looking dude. Some really great designs. <clears throat> do you design the characters as well or do you like work with like an artist? Uh, I design the characters. I make the general design. Uh, the the sprites that are on Steam are made by a professional artist because uh, I wanted to have a more clean look to them. But the general design was made by me. Yes. Very cool. I noticed that it doesn't have that normal like um, like fat headed like chibi art that RPG Maker tends to have. No, I wanted to avoid. I'm, I'm not using any of the uh, runtime package at all. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I, I I think the only thing that I am using is the the backgrounds for uh, for battle. I'm using them for the cards that I'm designing for the characters. But as far as uh, any of the maps, any of the songs, uh, you won't hear the same sound effects that you've heard in like millions of other RPG games. This is completely <laughs> for the most part, you know. Mm hmm. I think that's really cool that you you use it as the bones, but you do <clears throat> everything naturally without using some of the pre-made stuff. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some stuff you'll you'll have seen maybe elsewhere, but for the most part, I want this to feel like a unique game. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to feel like, oh, look, it's this game built with, you know, these sprites that I've seen before. It's, I want it to feel, yeah, I want everything to feel unique. And I think that it, it does feel pretty unique when like looking at like the images just i've uh we've talked to a couple other people that use rpg maker uh -huh. and yours looks pretty unique just knowing what like the sort of the the template items are in rpg maker of like what those things look like like if you look at your map you don't see any similar elements or anything no and they wouldn't work anyway because the these the, these tile chips are 16 by 16, so oh. they would clash with the 48 by 48 that RPG Maker comes with. 
So since you, it must really help that you know the engine so well to what what's the thing where like when you know the guitar really well, that's when you can start to improvise. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So I think I butchered whatever that expression is, but I've never heard it, so you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll roll with it and pretend like it was right. Yeah, there we go. That's what I usually do going forward in life. <laughs> Good life lesson there. Yeah. Um, so point and click exploration is something I'm seeing on this team page. That's not something I normally think about with like RPG maker. How does that kind of fit in? Uh, I recently added the option to have the character walk around and explore as you would a regular RPG or you know, any RPG. Uh, but what I want the game to feel like as you're playing it is that you're mostly clicking around and exploring the map using the dice rolls to investigate certain things. Sorry if I described that incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm curious. So what do you mean by dice roll? So similar, like, as I said, like the game is inspired by Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. I want there to be uh, like, there's an event coming up, a bridge is collapsing under you. You roll the dice, you uh, roll the dice and, you know, if it comes out great, you get yourself to safety. And if it doesn't, you end up somewhere else or you're, you don't know how a Dungeons and Dragons playthrough will go through, will, will go by. Yeah, gotcha. Because everything is constantly fluid and changing. I want that, uh, I want that similar feeling. I, when I started making Luminera, my aim was to make a Dungeons and Dragons kind of experience for mm -hmm. a person, for a single player, for one person playing a game alone. So it has a lot of the, the choose your own adventure sort of elements to it. Very much so, yes. So does that um, equal like lots of side quests and things? There'll be side quests for sure. Uh, but it's not the, the main goal of the, the game, I guess. Yeah, so it's not Skyrim? <laughs> <laughs> uh, can anything be Skyrim? Uh, I'm not sure. A lot of things have tried. <laughs> yeah, tried and failed. Yeah. There will be there'll definitely be side quests because I want players to, you know, if they want more to do in, in their playthrough, I definitely want them to have that option. Mm -hmm. But it won't be as uh, as prevalent as... I guess the main story, because the main story will feel medium to, to hold your interest through without needing sort of like a, yeah. a long side quest diversion sort of idea. So who are some of the, like the main, I know you were saying it's a pretty big like rotational cast, but is there sort of like a core group of characters that you play as? Uh, you, you're always going to have a different team regardless. Mm -hmm. so there really isn't one main cast. I think the the one the main cast for me that's kind of just been because they've been the ones I've mostly been using to playtest the game are the four that are on the Steam page, which is the Aster, the the guy with the flame sword, Genevieve, the wind user, uh, Elias, the the ice archer, and Kira, the shadow assassin. A lot of the key art is probably just going to show them more than anything, just because I think they're the ones that that fairly represents how the, the game would be, I guess. Gotcha. But there's, there is no main team, I guess. No, that's cool. Like, so does your team, like, vary the story quite a bit then? Yes. A lot of decisions then. And that's then... what I'm going for. <laughs> cool. So um, I imagine having, again, sort of spoken to some RPG player maker people and messed around with it a little myself 
that that requires a lot of kind of setup to kind of make that happen, right? Uh, a lot of it is just going to be. Uh, did you have you ever played a uh, Octopath Traveler? Yes. So you you know that Octopath Traveler had. I mean, it doesn't really have one main story. It has uh, eight concurrent <laughs> stories, and it it really just depends on which characters you're uh, you're going into their character story chapter for. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be very similar to that. But I want there to be more uh, interconnected dialogue between the characters, which is what I felt that Octopath was missing. Yeah, that was actually um, I had started Octopath Traveler like super interested because I obviously love turn-based stuff. Uh-huh. And, um, about halfway through one of the first uh, routes, I couldn't help myself, so I was looking up spoilers, and I found that the connective tissue that exists is kind of non-existent exactly (laughs) so it it made me stop because i thought well like i'm just playing these eight unique people that are kind of involved with each other but just sort of as like a plot sort of thing right they're just they're traveling with each other but they have they don't have any attachment to each other like yeah and and that's what i felt was missing that's kind of what luminera is with more characters, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember I I had started off as um, the merchant girl. Uh-huh. Tressa. Yep. And I had uh, found the old warrior guy. I, I'm carrying. Yes. Yeah. And it was just like, sup, I guess I'll hang out with you now. Like. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't fly with me. <laughs> It bummed me out as like someone who likes characters. Characters and story are why I play. Like gameplay is usually like the secondary thing. Oh, I I stopped and I still haven't gone back. To have some camaraderie to them. Exactly. It just kind of felt like almost like catching like another like Pokemon or something where it's like, right. okay, now I'm traveling with you, I guess. <laughs> what a lot of people, I mean, like we we've accepted us being lovers of turn-based RPGs that there's a certain uh unrealistic expectation like you look at final fantasy 7 these characters would never be together like kate sip is just following them around for no reason like he's why is he there he's but there's there's connectivity between them they talk to each other there's you know there's an importance to all of them and you can say that about a lot of rpgs that's and that's what i want like i want this to feel unique you're going to pursue the stories of a lot of these characters the the four that you'll choose and four that you'll get access to later on in uh, Luminaire. But I, I, I'm writing a lot of dialogue for them, which is, I think it's my bread and butter, just being able to write thousands of lines of dialogue. That's that's the one thing that I feel that I'm really good at. I'm doing that, so it feels like every playthrough will feel unique, crazy, and you won't feel like you're just alone in this world. You're, you'll be there with, the, you know, with these characters that you chose. You won't regret it. I, I don't know how to get that across. No, I think that makes total sense. And it sounds like you've really like put in the work to actually have it be cohesive where character A can talk to character B and they'll have lines of dialogue and not just sort of like kind of generic, yeah. I guess we should continue the mission kind of stuff. Yeah, and more than that. Like, and I'm trying to avoid uh, a tropism like with the, the Fire Emblem games that I love, but you know, they have their issues mm-hmm. that every character is one or two tropes and then that's all that the, their dialogue allows 
So yep. I'm trying to avoid that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a real challenge, but you know, we're we're yeah. I think games like Golden Sun do a good job of like having their characters actually exist together versus just being like like faceless attack units. Golden Sun is a great example. This is get, definitely getting me interested. So you have um like eight elemental like conduits. So is that like fire, air, water kind of idea? Fire, water, earth, wind, shadow, light, thunder, ice. And the game started out with eight characters, one of each element. But I thought, what if you wanted to go ice, but you want you didn't want to use uh, a physical damage dealer, you wanted to go with like a mage or something. And so I added eight more characters. And then I thought, you know what? Let's go with three for each one. So 24 characters, three of each element. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it's, it's basically a damage dealer, a, ma- a mage or healer, you know. And a uh, the third class would be something that's kind of just off the cuff, like Trust of the Merchant, kind of a Viola the Merchant as well. Okay. Uh, or uh, Melody the Botanist, who her skills involve. She's a she's a water uh, uh, water user, Aqualesian, as as I call it in the game. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to say water better because I don't want people to to assume like oh he's just ripping off Avatar. No, I think I think that's part, and I think that. Like saying it's like Avatar will get a lot of people sold. <laughs> I hope so because Avatar was fantastic. I know Avatar's lovely. <laughs> it's a fantastic series, and a lot of like JRPGs would improve from take following its example. I think so too. The because Avatar is very simple in that it's you know it's just the four elements and everything, and they do a lot to uh, to give you like the building blocks of like what it means to be a fire user, what it means to be. Like, uh, having these, these powers obviously changes the world in which you live. Like, the, the Earth Kingdom that, you know, they open their doors by, like, using their earth bending and, like, sliding rocks away to open up. Like, that. that's, there's a similar vibe to that in Luminera. Mm-hmm. That, you know, uh, the Earth Kingdom is very heavily dependent on their Earth users. Cool. So, do characters, like, affect the environment, like, the map at all? Where, like, maybe, like... Like uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to. I um, decided against it because I thought it was going to be way too much. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Uh, so um, each character does have a passive, and you know the they do fundamentally change some things about your playthrough. Like, uh, say, Aster with his firepower has the capacity to create a a weather barrier. So certain weather damage doesn't actually afflict you. And you can progress through a dungeon faster with him. Whereas if you didn't have him, you'd have to get something to... A little bit going forward, there's a, there's a volcano level. If you don't have Aster, you'll need to find, a, you know, like a fire shield to protect you from the, the damage of the volcano. Or if you just want to go balls deep, you can just go into the volcano and you'll constantly take damage over time but you can complete it if you want to but if you know it, it's it really just depends um how you play the game very cool so you 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 had mentioned a couple but were there any other like games that kind of inspired this idea i think the biggest game that inspired this weirdly enough is divinity original sin 2 okay because it felt like you had a big open world that you know there's a set story but at the same time you kind of were free to do a lot of whatever you wanted the skills that you had and the characters you had kind of changed the way you could play the game. 
but that that's essentially uh, what I what inspired a lot of this game. Octopath cool. Traveler, in the way that you know the the story is really based around the characters more so than the overarching story. Divinity: Original Sin, and the way that the game is played, and uh, the openness to it, and Dungeons and Dragons, in the the fluidity of what could happen at any moment. So. There was gonna be there was gonna be permadeath for a while in the game. That that I had originally planned for it. That I eventually changed my mind when I realized just how horrible it was gonna be for for you to lose your character eight hours into a into a playthrough. <laughs> As someone who has uh, played Fire Emblem on the the permadeath thing, um, I say thank you. <laughs> I would get impatient. I didn't want to reset, and I thought, you know what? I lost one character. It's fine. Just I'm moving on with my life. Maybe they didn't deserve to live. <laughs> they were too weak for this war-torn world. <laughs> they were a spy, but uh, I've since had a change of heart, and now now I I generally bring them back to life. Or I mean, with the more recent fire ones, you just turn on casual mode. Exactly. I'm a big fan of casual mode. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> Because I'm older and I've you know I have less time to play games. I don't have time to replay a 40 minute Fire Emblem campaign. Yeah, same. And then it feels like in Fire Emblem in particular, once you get to like the arrow launcher battles, it takes out like half your team before you even reach like the the main fighting. So like sometimes you have to leave some folks behind. So what sort of made you want to finally like release like a, a bigger game? Biggest reason why is that it's well, it's always been my dream. To, to finish up a game and have it have people be able to play it, you know, be able to... I, I love writing stories and to have somebody, you know, play through a story of mine and, uh, and tell me about it is, is fantastic. I haven't had too many... I, I, I think I took the demo off of, uh, of Itch, I'm not 100% sure, but the few people that did play it, what, uh, their, their feedback to me was important and it felt amazing to hear people like, like a game that I'm and my wife has been incredibly supportive of me and kind of pushed me to, to finally to just do it. She's just like, no, you have the time, you have the capacity, you know, don't have any kids yet. Go out there and do it. And I thought, you know what, let's, let's try, let's start. And slowly but surely, I, you know, I went from, I think I had like 100 followers and most of them were just my regular Twitter followers. Now I'm at 1100. It's not that many, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm it's building up. There's people that are interested in the game. There's people that ask me about it. And it's just been amazing. It already looks pretty cool to me. And I think that like the core of like what this sounds like, it's for the people that weren't a big fan of Octopath because of that like lack of interconnected story. Because Octopath is beautiful looking. That very niche audience. <laughs> yeah. I played Octopath but didn't like it that much. <laughs> but I think that you'll also get the Octopath fans because it does sort of feel that same way. And there's like, it seems that JRPGs in general are going through like a renaissance all of a sudden. I, I feel that they're, I mean, they're here to stay. If it's not by AAAs, it's by us, the Indies. Yeah, and I think that people just from what little we've been talking to indie creators and stuff, it feels that people go to the AAAs for kind of wacky new weird game stuff but they go to the indies for unique personalized stories so i think it ends up kind of interesting that way yeah i think so too i i love me some turn-based rpgs i always have super mario rpg will is and forever will be my favorite game i just uh i've been playing through that actually oh, first time 
Yep, first time. It's got like a great, like weird, like sense of humor to it. Uh, precursor to the Paper Mario games. Mm-hmm. Which I also haven't played. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll enjoy them if and when you get to them. I think I will. I'm definitely enjoying Super Mario RPG. What RPGs do you generally... Uh... Uh, a lot of Shining Force, uh, a lot of Fire Emblem. What else? Uh, Golden Sun is a really big standout. I really like Earthbound. <laughs> actually, I actually finally re- uh, I beat that game a year ago. Oh, yeah? I'm in the same boat as you with playing some of these older games finally for the first time. Growing up, I feel like I was always playing like weird, like what I'm now realizing is like weird video games. Like I feel, so I grew, I'm 30, so I grew up playing GameCube a lot. And um, I feel like modern gamers would like vomit if they like saw the GameCube games that I was playing. <laughs> So I was playing like Pac-Man World 2. They hey, made this like weird like on Pac-Man World 2. <laughs> oh, it's a great game, but it's not one of those like like Smash Bros. <laughs> like no, but I mean everyone has their their nostalgia games. Yeah. Like I, I have a friend who whose favorite game to this day is SpongeBob uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom, just because he has that nostalgia for it. Like obviously he's played other games since. He loves the uh, Skyrim. He loves The Witcher. But you know, you look back to these games. Like one of my favorite games is Quest sixty four. That game is awful, <laughs> but I, I played it as an eight year old kid. You know, that just wanted more RPGs to play in a time that I didn't have a PlayStation one yet. And my only options for an RPG on the N sixty four were that or Paper Mario. That's and, true. Yeah, I didn't even know about Final Fantasy until like later on, which just you know opened my, opened up my mind to to the possibilities. You you must be a big fan of Final Fantasy VI then. <laughs> uh yeah. It's not my favorite one, but I do I do love six. It seems uh, a lot of people we talk to, six is the I know, it's it's their inspiration. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And then um during like the first batch of interviews that we did, uh-huh. like almost every episode it was a different Final Fantasy. It was eight and then it was two and then it was three, then it was six. It was just like every episode someone was inspired by a different Final Fantasy. So don't get me wrong. I love Final Fantasy, and uh, I, I will, you know, till the end of time. I will, I will play their now action-oriented Devil May Cry-ish games because, it, it, you know, Final Fantasy is fantastic. But there's just something about some of these lesser-known RPGs on PS One, like the the Suikoden games, the Valkyrie Profile. It's funny that they're releasing so many like JRPGs now. They could re-release a bunch of the like PlayStation One like Super Nintendo error ones and people mm-hmm. would like love them just as much because it seems like they age pretty well. Oh yeah. Uh, I've, I'm on it. I'm re- uh, playing for the first time Lufia 2 right now. Okay. Yeah. I've wanted, I haven't played that one, but I'd like to try it. I have started and stopped that game so many times over the past 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to get into it and just something gets in the way, but I'm finally playing through it. And I, I've just been doing that um, just over the... Uh, over the years, and right now in the pandemic as well, you know, I have more time to, I opt for a lot of these old RPGs I never got to try out. So um, what's the best way for people to support you? Honestly, following me on Twitter, uh, at Luminara Game. Uh, wishlisting Luminara on Steam is also very helpful. And just be on the lookout. I should hopefully have the Steam demo done by next month. I had a demo out, and it was so bug-ridden that I... I was so 
uh, embarrassed by it, but I actually, I, I took it down. Like it, it just, uh, I had a couple people just see that they completely got frozen on their tracks. Uh, just some things that I just, you know, I, um, I forgot to catch up, uh, that I forgot to catch. And so this will be a much better demo. Uh, it's going to have three different, it's going to have 12 playable characters. Mm-hmm. And 12 of the 24. Wow. And then early access should hopefully be out by October. Well, that's all really exciting. Um, I I try to not keep people too long, so I I will thank you and let you let you go. <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Bye now. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us on Twitter at the Turn by Turn Pod. We can also be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are sold. A five star review on Apple Podcasts would mean the world. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.